welcome to podcast 19 from Financial Frameworks, where our goal is to help you increase your financial decision-making skills, building on what you already know. The approach here is sound fundamentals with a practical bent. A lot of financial learning is focused on the what, do this or do that, how something is done and how we think about what we're doing and how the pieces of our personal financial puzzle work are as important as the what and the why. In the last podcast, we talked about saving money and how difficult it is. The next three podcasts are about where to put it once you have it. That is savings that you will need long term, say two years from now or 20 years from now. Uh, we're not talking about savings for your reserve emergency fund that you may need immediately. Today, I'm focusing on balancing safety and growth and hanging on to those savings that we're setting aside for long-term use. This and the next podcast will stick to stocks and bonds because they contain significant potential rewards and they're somewhat complicated. How you and I weigh safety and growth when choosing between an 11% average annual return for stocks versus a 4 to 6% average annual return from treasury bonds is a big deal. How we weigh the factors that are important to each of us determines our choices and each decision-making process is unique. So let me point out that the 11% and the 4 to 6% that I quoted, those are average returns. And the key word is average. And these are not average times. I think that makes it even more important to have some tools to balance safety and growth during an inflationary time. If this is of interest to you, welcome to this podcast. Previously, I talked about the difficulty of consistently saving money and how that is even harder today in today's inflationary world, where just about everything we buy on a regular basis costs more than it did last year or last month. It may be coming down as the last CPI, Consumer Price Index, number showed, but it's still high. So savings is still hard. So this podcast, and at least the next two, will continue the theme of how important it is to save, and we will add some practical layers here about where and how you would hold those savings. You could call them investments, but I will call them savings because I think that's a simpler and I think it is a more meaningful term because it conveys the idea that you want to hang on to this money. So my task is to outline saving vehicle alternatives in practical terms, in contextual terms, to be more aware of long-term factors. The alternatives themselves will not be big news to you. They're commented on, they're in the newspapers, they're on the internet, all of the ways that institutions, the banks, brokerage firms, et cetera, have for you to park your money with them and watch it grow. Well, there's a reason for that. A lot of these uh, organizations would like to be holding your money for you or providing you with advice, and uh, they're selling you something. The intent of this podcast, however, is simply to add a practical and a behavioral layer to your thinking plus one or two insights that make the decision-making process for you more thorough and more sound. So here's my agenda for the next three podcasts for balancing safety and growth to hold on to your savings. Today's podcast will outline the current savings environment 
and briefly review the numbers for stocks, bonds, and savings account to provide you with context. Second, we'll present some representative expert thinking from recent financial news for you to chew on. Again, it's part of the context because this is information that you're using to sort through and base your choices on. Then third, we'll turn the telescope around from external reality and look at how you think about things, how you make decisions, and I will provide a filter and two tasks for you to use when evaluating alternatives and context. And that'll do it for this podcast. Uh, That's a fairly packed agenda. So the next podcast, we will pick up with defining safety and growth in measurable terms. If it's fuzzy, it's hard to do. Then we'll review the pluses and minuses of stocks and bonds in those measurable terms. Next, I'll ask you to look at the information that we've accumulated so far, and I'll present you with some questions to refine your focus. Then we'll get to what this all builds up to, and that is to outline two strategies, one from decision theory or game theory, and one from Peter Lynch that are built around balancing safety and growth. So that will conclude the next podcast. And then the following podcast, we'll talk about savings accounts and CDs. So let's get started on balancing safety and growth, starting with stocks and bonds as savings vehicles. Number one, today's environment. It is probably fair to say that it is unfavorable and unsettled. Always looking into the future is normally cloudy, but these days with market volatility, and I'll give you examples, the economic fluctuations create even more uncertainty. I wish I had a set of tools like airplane pilots do when you watch the videos and they're landing using instruments only. With that said, in a context of uncertainty, whatever we do is a choice. Taking no action and leaving money in accounts that it was in three years ago, that's a choice. There are core principles like preserving principle or managing your risk. However, the context for applying those principles combined with your personal values and the current environment, the choices move from being pretty clear to an evaluation of alternatives with more pluses and minuses than is normally the case. So let's do a quick overview of the environment so that you can frame the choices within your own values. Issue number one, costs are increasing. For all goods, per the Bureau of Labor Statistics, inflation is at 8.2%. Bank savings accounts are paying about one half of 1%. Risk-free U.S. Treasury bonds are paying between 3.3 and 4.6% as of 1019. The stock market and I'll cite the indices with the caveat that indices are not individual stocks. The indices for 2022, the Standard & Poor's 500 is down 22%, the Dow Jones is off 17%, and the NASDAQ composite started the year at 15,832.8. It is currently at 10,614.08, or a drop of 5,219.15 points, or a drop of 32%. That's hard to watch, and that's of, as of 1019. 
this is a high-level picture, but it's accurate. That's the emotional environment in which you're making your choices. So with that, let's look at what experts say. Here are five headlines from several sources which I identify. The headline is, what are safe investments during volatile markets? Two experts cite short-term treasury notes, treasury inflation bonds, and certificates of deposit as good choices. The author is Ines Ferre, F-E-R-R-E, in Yahoo Finance on 1017. Article 2 comes from Deep Dive by Philip Van Dorn. The headline is, the stock market is in trouble. That's because the bond market is very close to a crash. Headline 3, Bloomberg, 624.22 by Suzanne Woolley, who's a good writer. It's entitled, Where to Invest One Million Right Now, and starts with the lead sentence, It's scary out there. Article 4 on bonds is a three-page article in the New York Times, dated 9-30-2022, by Jeff Summers, Bonds May Be Having Their Worst Year Yet. While the headline is an attention grabber, Mr. Summers states that the principle is safe if bonds are held to maturity then later states that bonds are having their worst year since 1926. The last conflicting headline, which to me is the icing on the cake, is an article. The headline was, we are seeing very attractive valuations. Billionaire Dan Loeb likes these two stocks. That's October 20th, 2022. So if you don't find that patchwork quilt of information confusing, then I didn't do a very good job of selecting contradictory headlines. Now, I read three of these writers fairly frequently, and I find them to be useful and relevant. So I'm not selling you crackpot headlines here. I'm just setting the stage by giving you a reminder of the conflicting information that you and I are bombarded with and have to sort through to come to solid conclusions that will cause us to gain money in the long term and match our values. Now, let's look at the other half of the environment, the interior environment, or as Bobby Jones, the great golfer, referred to as the most valuable real estate on a golf course, the six inches between your ears. What do you do with this information? The data that you select to pay attention to and how you decipher that information is central to your choices. A framework consists of a lot of external realities, but they have to mesh with what is important to you and what you're looking for. And since we're not building an encyclopedia here to show how data is used or to be clinically sound or get published in a journal, we're looking for the critical information that will build a savings plan that matches your values and goals. So here is one filter and two tasks to sift through all of this material before we get to the strategies. The first filter in applying your framework is to determine when you will need the money that you've been saving. If you need it short term, next week or within the next 18 months, most financial advisors will say that it needs to be easily accessible, it has to be liquid, and you can't afford any risk, so keep it liquid in a way that there's no loss of principal like a savings account. If these savings are not needed for some time, 
let's move on to our stocks and bonds. And the second filter that we will apply is for you to determine your investing temperament. According to Peter Lynch, whom I mention often because I admire his work, and also because I find him to be pretty sensible, as well as humorous in his books. In his first book, One Up on Wall Street, which was written in 1989, he spends a fair amount of time describing temperament. And three of the more important qualities are a willingness to work, some discipline, and some patience. And he provides a quick way to assess temperament. If I own stocks and the price drops, is my primary reaction fear of loss or the instinct to look for bargains in this stock or another? It's a disposition. Do some reading, look at the market, make some notes, and assess your temperament. Because if the temperament is not within your wheelhouse, to use an example of one of my former students who was successfully invested in real estate, he owned some properties and he was prepared to jettison those properties and learn all about stocks. And I asked him, why would you do that? You're already successful with real estate. Why would you drop something that you know and that you're already good at and he was making money to go after something that entails a certain amount of risk? You have no experience. And I asked him, what if your portfolio lost a third of its value? And his response was, I'd be sick. So that's your second filter. Now your task. You need to commit yourself to reading articles that don't support your point of view. Your point of view with regard to saving or investing or your perceptions of the financial world in general. Read things that make you uncomfortable. Look for disquieting evidence because that will force you to aggressively probe your perceptions and conclusions. For example, GE's earnings came out the other day, but if you think that GE is a stock with a strong upside in their renewable energy and their forthcoming healthcare uh, divestiture or whatever it's properly called as it becomes a separate entity, look for articles and opinions that disagree that say, nope, GE is going to struggle for the next two or three years because there are other options out there. Or if you think that a horrible recession is on the horizon, in addition to researching uh, G's prospect, look at what a recession would do to them. This sounds like a simple task, but for most of us, it goes against the grain. Looking, seeking, and accepting or processing and then using uncomfortable information. Long time ago when I was learning to play golf, I was told a story and I'm pretty sure it was about a golfer at this or a little local club out in Iowa. And this golfer was pretty good, but he couldn't get out of sand traps to save his soul. He could be there all afternoon. You might as well give him a shovel. But a friend of his who was a better golfer showed him how to hit sand shots. And this person was almost instantly better. It took about eight strokes off of each round. That went on for a week or so, and I was playing golf with the guy who taught the guy. 
and we saw him in a sand trap and he was back to his old routine. Took him five strokes to get out of the sand trap. So my friend went over to him and he said, what are you doing? I showed you how to hit those shots. And the guy in the sand trap looked back at my friend and said, yeah, but the old way was more comfortable. So that's what he did. You don't want to do that with your money. Long before I read that Warren Buffett actively looks for negative information about his prospects, I learned to look for conflicting information. My parents subscribed to three newspapers when I was a kid, the Chicago Tribune, the Des Moines Register, and the Omaha World Herald. Two of them were conservative, and one was, I would say, moderate to liberal, using today's language. When I was a youngster, I read all three of them, in addition to the funnies. All three papers had some common content for the major stories, the Cold War back in the 50s, Vietnam in the 60s, but they often had different views when it came to in-depth reporting or the analysis or the why of the events. This was long before our current polar politics, so I intuitively learned how to read these three papers, sift through their viewpoints, look for the common facts, look for the areas of disagreement, and I believe that that reading process contributed to my fairly moderate view and a willingness to read things that make me uncomfortable, sift through data, and look for points of reference whereby things can be proven or disproven. My point, actively seek diverse data sources before you commit funds that are necessary for your future happiness. So let me put it in behavioral or performance terms. Do you have two to three hours a week or every two weeks, we could do that every two weeks, that you would take to read, one, to expand your knowledge, two, to look for new indicators, or three, to write down or answer questions that have been sitting in the back of your mind? Almost all of us have questions and we come up with new questions every day Smart people I've dealt with uh, keep a little notepad, or now we can use our phones, to write down these questions, and they don't let the questions get away from them. They come back to them. So keeping track of your thoughts is important work. Apply the filter, and if you are looking at long-term savings, perform the two tasks and see what you get for answers. Understanding yourself and having the ability to intelligently use Uncomfortable information are definitely important qualities for success in managing your money. That concludes this first installment of Hanging On to Savings by Balancing Growth and Safety. The next podcast will begin with making that act measurable and then on to strategies. I hope that you have found this useful and thank you for listening. Mike Lee in Financial Frameworks. Mm-hmm.